Turn our Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read a few scriptures. Um, I, I know that um, a lot of things have been said over the past few days. <laughs> and a lot of information. As I lay down in my bed and I was thinking it through, something was telling me that actually what was happening here was God was just spelling out information. Just spelling. Um, some of it makes sense. Some of it is still up here and yet to settle. <laughs> um, these are quite um, challenging, and sometimes you wonder where this guy is going. <laughs> but they seem to be making sense. So, I am indebted to you. I am uh, I owe a responsibility to you to endeavor to make this thing very simple. So, I thank God for Pastor Angie that um, he, he allowed me to do this Sunday school and my Objective is to try and make this simple, very simple. Okay, so we're finding in Genesis chapter 1, the, just the very um, two verses. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Hallelujah. I want to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. To 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And so God created man. In his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Hallelujah. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 2. From verse 18 and then I will jump to. 
And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. And in verse 23, from 21, I beg your pardon. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Hallelujah. I want to quickly read uh, Psalm 8. Psalm 8. Where we are told that from verse 4, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visits him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of the hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Hallelujah. Okay, so we have this number of scriptures that is saying something about God and man. It's saying that God in the beginning created these things and importantly mankind and gave him a responsibility. And the responsibility was to be ruling, having dominion over all the other things that he had created. And so we've gone through the scriptures that it is not only he having dominion over all the things that have been created, but he also made sure that he created him a help meet, which is woman. He, he looked at this male person that he had created, said, oh, it is not good. But he needs a companion and created him a woman. So uh, on the landscape of these scriptures that we have read, how many of you understand landscape? Landscape is cool, right? Uh, this is just the beginning. The beginning. And so we sing God and man, and then you come into the sounds. Later on, in the sounds, you know, you see the sounds is coming very way after Genesis. Uh, David is also reiterating what has been taking what has taken place in Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter two, 
you know, saying that, oh, what is man that you visit with him? You know, uh, when man had fallen and God came and he was having, was coming to have intimacy and man was hiding, you know, showing that he often comes to have some kind of intimacy. He visits man. He fellowships with man. So all of these things are there and David as the psalmist is bringing all of these things up in his uh, thinking and meditation on God that, oh, what is man that you are so mindful of? Even when you are sitting on your throne, you will come and visit with him. You know, and not only that, you also have given him to have dominion over everything. Wow, God, how awesome you are. You know, so you come, we didn't read Hebrews chapter 2, but I'm mentioning Hebrews chapter 2 because uh, of time. <laughs> I want to cut some of the scriptures brief. Hmm? But Hebrews chapter 2 also echoes the same thing that the psalmist is also bringing about. Right? In Hebrews chapter 2, he says that for he has made him a little lower than the angels hmm, and has given him all things to have dominion over. You know, so, oh, praise the Lord. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing. Not put under him. Hallelujah. You know, so there's a consistent scriptural indications. Very from Genesis Psalms, and even in Isaiah, he would say, then I made man and put him on the earth. You know, and you are coming into the New Testament, and it's also echoing the same thing that he made man and gave him all things to have dominion over. So, in a very sincere heart, and sincere mind. When you piece all of these scriptures together, one would think that the reason why God in the beginning created at all was to put this man on earth to have charge over the things that he had created. That is what I'm saying that has been the way we have thought or we've been made to see Christ and the church. God and mankind. That God created Adam. Gave him charge over all things. The scriptures say that eloquently. Clearly. There's no real debate on that. There's no argument at all. The scripture is very clear. That man was the supreme creature on earth. The supreme creature that is to have dominion over all other things. Good. So, up to this point, there is no introduction of Christ. You realize that from Genesis in the beginning, there is no indication of Christ. 
psalms and everything, no indication of Jesus Christ at all. You come into the New Testament until he came and was, uh, he came, was baptized, did his ministry and everything and went. We really still didn't grasp that importance, this importance really to what God had the intention of. We've just seen somebody who came into the world, who loved the world, who died for the world, and who reconciled us back to God and went up, sent his Holy Spirit to help us to live properly, effectively. That's all we know. Hmm. What we are being helped by the Holy Spirit in this weekend for these three days is now bringing up a whole new understanding. And we're going to see other scriptures that God gave us to correct any intention that we will build or any comprehension that we will build that actually God created man and it was man who everything was created for. Are you understanding me? Because the tendency is there. Because all the scriptures we have read so far is pointing to Adam and Eve as the main intention of God to put on earth to have charge over everything. They were given a commandment and they blew it. Hmm? And when they blew it, Everything that had been put under them went under this array. You know, so that is why in the Hebrew chapter I said, but we don't see all things put under him. Because everything has went, gone out in this array. I mean, when I see a lion right now, I run away. Hello? I said, when I see a lion, yeah. right now, I, I will I'll probably my <laughs> Lion, <laughs> a zebra, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. let's call 911. <laughs> you know, <laughs> fear had come into us. Fear alone is brought us and been under subjection and a lion. You know, so there's really. Uh, a disorganization of what God started in the beginning. Hmm? So, our little sense, thinking, you know, human being, our rational thinking, therefore, is that God sent his son Jesus to come and die for us, to reconcile us back to God, so that we can now have effective power to have dominion over lion, to have dominion over this, to have dominion over that. And we are saying that, what we are saying is that we are correcting that understanding, that comprehension. It is not really so. Ah, that is where the confusion is coming. 
So, before I come into those scriptures, or I think it is very important that we read First Corinthians, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 14. Can I have water, please? Okay, so we find in Romans chapter 5, verse 14, said, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them, that had not seen after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come? Hello? Who was the what? Figure. Who was the figure? He's talking about Adam. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam. See Adam to Moses. Over even over them that had not seen after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Adam's transgression. Who is? So Adam. Say Adam. Adam. Is, is the figure is. of the one who. Did you say is? Was to come. So the, the was meaning that there there is a certain purpose done. Are you hearing me? The was to come. It's not is to come. It's a was to come. So the was precedes the Adam that was created. It's a figure of the one who was to come. Huh. Hallelujah. You know, so you see that this is the beginning of the scriptures correcting. It's beginning to correct any kind of assumptions we will make about Adam as the main person that God was setting upon the face of the earth to have some dominion. Sister Bob, clear? Then we can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 24. 24. Then comes the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father... When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, continue. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Yes, continue. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Go ahead. For he, put, for he hath put all things under his feet. For he hath put all things, what? But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that it is accepted which did put all things under him. Amen. I want us to remain here because of time and everything. He's bringing out something very important. He's saying that then comes the end. So what started in the beginning? There is an end. 
Clear? In the beginning, then comes an end. Okay. Before I continue, I want to make this, I want to summarize something here. I was lying in my bed. In fact, I, I woke up around 4 a.m. I was thinking about you. I was wrestling with God. God, how can I make this thing plain to your people? I was thinking about Sister Barbara. I was thinking about my pastor. I was thinking about all of you. I said, God, how can I make this thing plain so that Pastor Casey can bring all of these things together in a certain way that will make sense to the church? I have a friend, a professor at uh, Texas A&M, very good friend, who is my body, a, a, a critic of myself. He said, Dr. Mills, what you have is very high. And what you have is above people's heads. You got to break it down. But he said, you are not the one to break it down. Because anytime that I'm asking you to break it down, you think it is you who have to break it down. You don't have that to break it down. It is supposed to be given to somebody who can break it down. Huh. This is a, a genuine friend. Someone I have mentored who now is telling me <laughs> my uh, gift. The, yes. And I'm accepting that. It's truth. He said, you cannot break it down because you don't have it to break it down. I'm a professor. I also have things that I know I cannot break it down. I'm also struggling because there are some things that I say that people cannot understand. It makes sense when I'm talking with you. Because I'm serious. We don't want you. I know you get fault in this. We don't want you to come down because um, Jesus said in Romans that they want me to come down to their level, mm. but but he don't he he come he came as man. But I'm saying we got to go up to you. If you come down, we don't have a standard. Mm. Hallelujah. <laughs> and Elder Barbara, I'm near have the revelation you have, but what little I have. She breaks it down every week and puts it in the home groups and all through the church. And I don't have to do that. I just keep on hearing what God says and proclaiming it. So please don't come down. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Good. Sorry for being uh, drinking water in front of you. Is okay. okay. So I was thinking, and the Lord said, tell them this. Just two things. Adam and Eve is a mystery. Let's say it together. Adam, Adam. And, Eve. and Eve. Mystery. mystery. And this is a mystery of them. They serve two purposes. Say they serve. They serve. Two. two. In fact, not purpose, but objective. Objective. Yeah. Purpose, 
for me is different from objectives. What I've been trained in corporate America is objectives are the blocks that bring us to what we want to really get to. So they are the steps yeah. we climb to our goals. That's what. <laughs> so I, I, I use objective as the steps. So there are two objectives. So Adam and Eve, they are objectives. Two. The foreshadow. Say foreshadow. The relationship between Christ and the church. Let's say it again. The foreshadow. foreshadow. The relationship between Christ, relationship between Christ and, the and the church. And they are also the means. M-E-A-N-S. By which Christ and, Adam, and, and the church will come. They are also the means, the means by which Christ and the church will come. Wow. So these are the two principal objectives of Adam and Eve. As a foreshadow of what Christ and the church will be, you find in Genesis chapter 1, 26, that God is giving him dominion over all things. It's a foreshadow. foreshadow. I said uh, that whole Genesis 1, 26 and 27 is a forward shadow of what Christ and the church would be. He was the one to come. The first Adam, Adam and Eve, were a figure of the one who was to come. Figure. It's the Bible. It's a foreshadow. foreshadow. So they are not really the ones who are going to have dominion oh, wow. over the earth. It is Christ and the church who are going to have dominion over the earth. Hallelujah. It's getting there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, so Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27 is about Christ and the church. Who God is now subduing all things under his feet to the church. Ephesians. The book of Ephesians tells us that. Ephesians 2. Praise the Lord. As a foreshadow, if that whole union between the male Adam and the female Eve is a foreshadow of the marriage between Christ and the church. Adam is a shadow, foreshadow. Adam and Eve are not the one who are going to deliver the kingdom to God. He says, then comes the end. It is the son. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 24. 
when he will deliver the kingdom to God. So, in the beginning, all the way to when he came, and when he died and resurrected and sat at the right hand of God, when he began to put things under his feet, We never heard about him. It was a mystery. The Bible says that he was hidden. So in between the beginning and the end, there is a missing link. Until he had sat down. Even when he was here, it was still a missing link. It was only when he sat down and released the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us, to come upon us, to dwell in us, so that my spirit would take from me and bring to you things that I have not told to you yet. Things that I have not brought to your attention yet. I'm not going to unveil to you things that you don't know about me yet. Hello? You do you know that of all the times that Jesus Christ was with the disciples, they only knew him as a person. Like I know Sister Angie, Pastor Angie, thank you, party. Person. I don't know much about her. They, so they were about a person. They have intimation that he's the son of God anyway. But it was when he resurrected. And came and visited with them, according to Luke chapter 24, that he sat down with them and expounded from Genesis, the Psalms, all the things that concern him. Right? The Bible says that he opened the understanding to understand the scriptures. About himself. So really, uh, realistically talking, the person of Jesus, when he was with them, they didn't know him. It was only when he had gone and be sat upon the throne beside the Father that now they are beginning to know him. Why are you understanding these things? And so, Paul really necessarily didn't have to know him and come into a relationship with as a person. Wow. Because the meat of the matter is a revelation of Jesus Christ by the Spirit. He said, he taught me. He revealed his son in me. So that I will preach and teach him. And then Peter would come and say, the things that he talks about, that he writes about, they are very hard to understand. They are not making sense. You know, so the revelation of Jesus Christ is what we are experiencing. He's, when I came here first, I said, he's revealing himself to you. Some of the things we are saying here, Peter doesn't know. 
what we are talking about. Because not everything that they could receive. Hello? So it's not everything that they could receive. This thing, we're talking about God. The infinite God. Praise the Lord. So you understand the foreshadow. That it's not really about Adam. It's about Jesus Christ and the church. The problem we've had in the church is that some of us, sincerely, without considering the other part, the revelation of Jesus Christ, have built dogma, Christian education, on this only thing that we know about Adam and Eve. I was sharing with Bobby that you have the people who are talking about wealth generation. As they are teaching wealth generation because God gave Adam everything. He lost it. We are reconciled to him. We are restored. So we now have, can have wealth and effectively rule the earth. See, there's some problem with it. Because Jesus and the church is who are going to receive all things. So even whether you like it or not, it's not coming to you. It's illusion. It's an illusion. Because that is not what the Father is doing. So you have many people in the church who are flocking to hear these words. And the reason being that they think that it, man is an end of itself. It's me. It's me. Me. Jesus and the church. It's not about me. And that is what I was laboring to make us to understand that, in fact, if it is Jesus and the church who are married and they are jointly connected, the head and the body, I cannot, in fact, in my simple mind, I cannot see how I, Samuel Mills, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, can be dislocated from the head and be by myself here having dominion and having wealth. Wow. It, it's, it's, it's a disconnect. Yeah. But that is the problem. <laughs> that is what my Moro has been preaching and teaching. I'm bringing them out not to, criti to, criti to criticize them as an educator, as an Academician, we, when we are writing, we critique other authors. Mm -hmm. Brother, hmm? we critique other authors. We say what they are saying, they have lost this side of the equation. We are adding to the knowledge. So what they said is not really what is, you know, but now we are adding to the knowledge. Mm -hmm. We are adding to the knowledge. We, we are not just throwing it away. We uh, trying to bring meaning to the full counsel of God. Yes. That it is not me, Samuel Mills. 
separate from Christ? Who is going to have dominion? God is transferring wealth to me. Not to me. It is Christ and the church. Adam is a figure. He's gone. He's no more in the equation of God. As Canaan is no more an equation of God. Because the rest, the rest has come. You know, Canaan is another foreshadow of Christ. The rest we find in Christ is what is represented in Canaan as a place of rest. Are you understanding? Hmm? Foreshadowing. Just like Adam and Eve were foreshadowed. God also foreshadowed the place of rest. Canaan. That is why he brought Israel to Canaan. That is why he brought Moses, uh, Abraham to Canaan. And that is why he asked Isaac not to leave Canaan. Because Canaan is Christ. Foreshadowing Christ. You cannot leave Christ. So is Melchizedek. A foreshadowing of the priesthood ministry of God to the church. So God is in a pattern of foreshadowing what Christ and the church. Christ is the high priest to the church. Foreshadowed in Melchizedek and Abraham, who is the father of the church. Yes. Are we talking? Yes. So there's a whole lot of confusion going on. Because Christ was missing, and now Christ has come. Mm-hmm. But because we have always thought that Adam is the main person. We're looking at the coming of Christ as coming to restore Adam back to his domain. When actually Adam is being transformed into God. See the problem? So Adam is, God is not bringing us into relationship with him for us to remain as Adam. God is bringing us into relationship with him to become one with his son, Jesus Christ. This is the problem. The wealth generation, even from my own evangelical school of thought, when it comes to the question of sin, and living sinlessly. It's become the main drive that Adam sinned. And then guys, Christ came to redeem us. And for us to live sinless. You know, and yesterday we were learning that. Or throughout this seminars, You know, we are learning that sin is the means to an end. Just as the dust. The clay. Sin is in the middle part. Mm-hmm. See, the moment you begin to understand that Adam and Eve, they were a means to an end. You know, that everything that concerns Adam and Eve is a means to an end. Okay. 
The end is the promise that he made to him before all things came. He said, I'm going to give you a wife for you to be the head and to have a body. That is Jesus. Yes. Ephesians chapter 5, yes. verse 25. Yes. Died for the church, mm-hmm. sanctifying the church by the word to present her to himself a glorious day. Okay. So we have an end here. Glorious day. Are you understanding? Are you now understanding the way I think? (laughs) Uh, The way I think. I don't think just the beginning. I don't think on the things that are bringing us to the glorious church. I'm looking at the glorious church as a reason. The glorious church is a reason for the beginning, the middle, and the end. So, this is what I'm looking at, Jesus coming into the world. As our dear brother said yesterday powerfully, that he came into the world to receive his bride. That is the way we are to think. That is the logic of God. That is the way he wants the church to think. To be about in what we prioritize and what we pursue. So that when I'm going to get married, I'm not looking at marriage as between me and my wife. Or my wife and myself having some good time. But the whole reason why me and my wife is because me and my wife is a means to an end. What is that means? Me and my wife, we are going to give birth. That child is the child that God is going to birth to become part of Christ, to become his bride. That glorious thing. You know, say thinking. See how I think? That is the way we are to think. When we encounter the scriptures like that, let's think on the, the, the process that is ending into Christ. Yeah. Hmm? Christ is the destination. Yeah. And that destination makes the means pragmatic. Hmm? Yeah. So the reason for marriage is the man and the woman coming together for the child who will be born for that glorious thing. So if somebody asks you what is the purpose of marriage, that God would have Christ will have his church. Can you imagine when we are saying this in the public? Sister <laughs> <laughs> Barbara, can you imagine that when we are saying this to the public? Oh, why is all this? Because, why are you getting married? Because it is by my marriage that Christ will have his glorious church. Yes, yes. Why? Because without my marriage, we are not, there's no child who is going to be born, who will grow and become born again, and then become part of the body of Christ and become his betrothed bride. For him to have that glorious thing. 
That glorious thing is not coming from the moon from anywhere. It is the human beings that are brought on the face of the earth that are going to become that glorious thing. So if the man and the woman are not coming together, if there is a problem in people getting married, that is what Teresa's message is coming. He said, it is not you, it is God who is not going to have his bride. When the baby is not coming out of the womb, it is not you. The attack is an attack against God who is not going to have the baby born so that he can give birth to that baby to become his body and his bride. It is this thinking, it is this definition of church that we are being blessed with this whole entire weekend. You know, that has to impact the life of the individual to the family. When it is doing so, then we are not giving room for the public to come up with policies hmm, that are going to disbangle God's agenda for Christ. When gays and lesbians are coming together, it is not just a moral issue. It is a God's issue. When abortion is enforced as a policy, it's not a moral issue. It's not just a moral issue. It's a moral issue. But it's not just a moral issue. But it is God's issue. (coughs) Praise the Lord. Have you understood this? Have you understood the whole conference? What we are all about. That God is unveiling Jesus Christ in a meaningful way. That as a church, first, um, freedom ministries. We come into this understanding of Christ and the church. So that we shall rise and begin to pray. Because the state of affairs are not showing this about the church. This is about Christ and the church. So our agonizing, our cry is God make us that people. Make us that body that is elevating this your might and glory of the church in America. This is what Teresa is saying that when we are praying this kind of prayer, that is when the movement of the Holy Ghost will come. Because we are praying the will. We are praying into the agenda of God. Breaking the bonds and all the things that the enemy is bringing into our whole society. To cripple God's agenda concerning Jesus and Christ. Uh, Jesus and the church. Excuse me. That is our message. That is the whole message. For all these three days. May God bless you. May God continue his work mightily in you. God loves you, Freedom Ministries, to bring this wonderful understanding, comprehension about himself. He has revealed himself to you. Thank you. Dr. Mills, thank you for coming. And I humbly say this. 
but I have a word for you. Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man that doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what I saith it, the word is nigh in their mouth and, and in thy heart, and that is the word of faith which we preach. And he's saying, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. He don't want you to come down to our level. Wow. They tried to bring Christ down to their level. He said, who's going to ascend to heaven to bring Christ down? And he said, I'm going to turn you over to a reprobate mind, those that try to do that. We have to have a standard. We have to have someone to look to, yeah. somewhere to go, somewhere to go up. Yeah. And then the, the rest of us can break it down. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah.